focusing on thanksgiving. Psalm 69, I'll be reading verses 30 and 31, a message I've entitled Praise, Trust, and Thanks. Praise, Trust, and Thanks. Please stand together with me out of honor to God in his word as I read Psalm 69, verses 30 and 31. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. Thank you. you. May be seated. Again, this is Thanksgiving week. I don't know what your plans might be, but I hope uh, I hope you have a great uh, Thanksgiving day coming up, but a Thanksgiving week as well. And speaking of Thanksgiving, now there was a Christian woman, and she lived next door to an atheist. And every day the atheist could hear the woman praying to God out loud. One day the atheist heard the woman asking God for food. Well, the atheist decided he'd play a trick on this woman. So he went to the grocery store, bought several bags of groceries, and left them on the woman's porch. Well, when the woman opened her front door, she saw the groceries and she prayed, Thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer and providing me with food. The atheist jumped out from behind a bush where he was hiding and he shouted, You foolish woman, God didn't provide those groceries for you, I did. The woman continued her prayer to God. Thank you, God. Not only did you provide me with groceries, you got the devil to pay for them. <laughs> so let's look this morning at praise, trust, and thanks. Looking back here to Psalm 69, the beginning of verse 30, to praise God, David says, use a song. To praise God, use a song. Music is a wonderful way to bring praise to God. Again, look at verse 30. I will praise the name of God with a song. And so to praise God, use a song. Music is a wonderful way to bring praise to God. And Paul talks about that in the New Testament here in Colossians 3.16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So Paul says the first thing we're supposed to sing is psalms. Now he's referring to the Old Testament Psalter, the book of psalms. And if you've ever studied the book of psalms, you know the book of psalms is an ancient songbook. And we still sing psalms today, like Psalm 118 and verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That's right out of the scriptures. That's a psalm. So Paul says we're supposed to sing psalms. Not only that, he says we are to sing hymns. Now, he's referring to early Christian hymns, and we don't know exactly what those were, but we have some portions of those hymns recreated for us, or excuse me, preserved for us in the New Testament. For instance, Ephesians 5.14, scholars tell us, that's an excerpt from an ancient Christian hymn. Philippians 2, 6 through 11, that's an ancient Christian hymn. Colossians 1, 15 to 20, again, another ancient Christian hymn. And so in addition to those hymns, I'm grateful for those whom God has inspired to write the great hymns of the faith that we all know and love, like How Great Thou Art, Amazing Grace, At Calvary, The Old Rugged Cross, Holy, 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 it is well with my soul. I mean, I could go on and on. They're all good, right? You've got a book of like 700 hymns there in the pew with you. They're all good, but I'm so glad that God inspired people to write these great hymns. And so Paul says we are to sing not only psalms, but hymns. And then he mentions here spiritual songs. What is a spiritual song? Well, the word in Greek refers to a spirit-inspired, unprepared or unplanned song. And so somebody in the early church then would all of a sudden be inspired with a song. And so they'd sing it or play it and share it. Now God has inspired hymn writers and songwriters 
in our day to compose and publish their works, making this unnecessary, these spiritual songs, making them unnecessary, but not impossible. God could still, if he wanted to, inspire somebody in the moment to have a song. But I want you to notice, lastly, how we are to sing. Again, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Watch this. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We are to sing with grace. You know what grace means? Thankfulness. We are to sing with thankfulness. And notice to whom we are to sing. To the Lord. It doesn't say sing it to the congregation. It doesn't say sing it to the digital audience that's out there on the Internet. It doesn't say sing it for the choir director or for the band director. Sing to the Lord. We are praising Him. Again, to praise God, use a song. You know, being able to sing and or play music is a wonderful gift from God. You may not think you sing well, but you can sing. Because God doesn't want our ability. He wants our availability. And what maybe sounds like noise to you sounds like beautiful music to God. You have opportunities to sing every Sunday right here at church. We have, again, a a hymn book full of like 700 hymns. Uh, You have opportunities every Sunday to sing hymns to God. You have opportunities to join the choir and help us together make a joyful noise. If you have the ability to make music, make it for God who gave it to you. If you have the ability to make music, make it for God who gave it to you. Give your gift of music back to God as a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says we are to use this sacrifice of our lips, praise to God. I've shared this publicly before, but I am grateful that God graciously preserved my ability to make music after my accident. Most of you know, but there are some visitors I see out there. About just over a year ago, I was crushed by a tree. Caused me all kinds of problems. But through all of that, God graciously preserved my ability to make music. And in fact, a month and a half after I got crushed by that tree, I was playing the piano in the rehab center for church services. And not only was I playing the piano, I was the preacher too. And then you might remember, those of you that kind of watch the progress around here, I had a neurologist got involved because the the tree crushed my brain. And so the neurologist was a little bit concerned about letting me go right back to music. But I was first cleared by the neurologist to sing, and so immediately I rejoined the choir. I was next cleared by the neurologist to play my trombone, so I next I rejoined the orchestra. I was finally cleared by the neurologist to play drums, so I rejoined Edify and started playing the drums again. Again, I know where my gift of music came from. It came from God, and so I'm giving it back to Him as a sacrifice. And that's why I'm encouraging you. If you have the ability to make music, make it for God who gave it to you. Now, of course, there's other ways to praise God as well. David mentions a song because David was a psalmist. He was a singer, and he's writing a song, so it makes sense that he would say that. But we can also use our words to pray to God. We can also use our words to speak to God and to speak to others. In fact, when you think about it, the gift of language is such a precious, unique gift from God. Now, we know that animals communicate. You know, dogs bark and cats meow and whales whatever they do. You know, animals communicate, but people speak. What if you lost the ability to speak? What if you could no longer speak? What if you never could speak in the first place? Maybe just the way you were born, you just you couldn't speak. What if that were the case? 
you would realize what I'm talking about that is such a precious gift from God to be able to speak. But know this, the Bible says we must use our speech to bring glory to God and to help others. Paul writes about that in Ephesians 4.29. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And so today I just want to remind you to thank God you have a voice. Thank God you have a voice with which to sing. Thank God that you have a voice with which to pray. Thank God you have a voice with which to speak. And so if you want to praise God, David says, use a song. Secondly, to show your trust in God, use a sacrifice. Look at verse 31. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath hooves and horns. Again, he's talking about making an animal sacrifice. Now, we know that sacrifices today come in many forms. We sacrifice our time. We sacrifice our talents. We sacrifice our treasures. And in fact, when it comes to sacrificing our treasures, when we give treasures sacrificially, that shows our trust in God. Because we are trusting God, not our money, not our treasures to get us through. For many, though, sacrificial giving is no longer in vogue. We often give from our abundance. We have so much left over, we just give from our abundance. But God is especially honored when we give from our need. When we're looking at our budget, it doesn't seem like we're able to make it through the month, and we give anyway. God is especially honored when we do that. And please remember, I always recommend spreading your giving around to multiple ministries. I would hope, as I've said before, you don't only give to First Baptist Church. Now, if this is your church, yes, you should be giving here. Just like Debbie and I, uh, we give the lion's share here at First Baptist. But we know there's lots of valid ministries out there that are doing God's work. And so we give to those as well. We spread it around. And I would encourage you to do the same. And when it comes time to sacrificing your money, keep a few things in mind. Number one, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us. You could never give what he gave. He gave his life. He gave his all. He made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again from the dead. Secondly, keep this in mind. All we have belongs to God. Every single thing you and I have belongs to God. And catch this principle. When we release to God what already belongs to God, God does amazing things with it. When we release to God what already belongs to God, God does amazing things with it. I want to encourage you to look to 2 Chronicles chapter 31. 2 Chronicles chapter 31. I'm rereading uh, verses 4 to 10 as we look at what happened in this case where God's people released what belonged to God And then God did amazing things with it. 2 Chronicles 31, beginning in verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and all the increase of the fields, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. And concerning the children of Israel in Judah that dwelt in the cities of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep and the tithe of holy things which were consecrated to the Lord, their God, and laid them by heaps. In the third month they began to lay the foundation of the heaps and finished them in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned with the priests and Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings of the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have left plenty, for the Lord has blessed his people 
And that which is left is this great store. So what happened? The people of God released what belonged to God, and God did amazing things with it. Now let me give you some background. Idol worship in the time that Second Chronicles was written, idol worship became very popular, and it was drawing people away from God's house. And because these people were, instead of going to God's house, they were going to the idol's house. And they were worshiping idols, and as a result, there wasn't any money coming in to God's house for the priests and the Levites and to conduct the services there. And so they were very concerned about it. So Hezekiah there, in that passage I read, he commands Judah to return to the temple and begin giving. And notice what they gave. Their first fruits, that means the first of everything that came in. They gave their increases, it says. That means over and above what they normally gave. And then their tithes, we're familiar with the tithe, that means 10%. But notice they didn't begin giving tithe till they gave their first fruits and their increases. Then they gave the tithe. And it says there that they began making piles in the third month and they finished making piles in the seventh month. And as a result, God's house had all it needed plus leftovers and God blessed his people as they gave. Again, the principle is when we release to God what already belongs to God, he does amazing things with it. So when it comes to the offering, you know, we took an offering just a little bit ago and you put something in there. Maybe you put a lot. Maybe you put a little. Thank God that you have offerings to give. Thank God that you have offerings to give. And so, to praise God, use a song. To show your trust in God, use a sacrifice. Thirdly, to magnify God, use thanksgiving. To magnify God, use thanksgiving. Look in verse 30 again. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. And by the way, magnifying God is more special to God than sacrifice because verse 31 says, This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock. To be magnified. And how do we magnify God? Through thanksgiving. You see, God doesn't need our sacrifices. But God desires magnification. Now what does it mean to magnify? You know that word. It means to make bigger. It means to increase. So if we magnify something, we make it bigger. If we magnify something, we increase it. Well, God is already infinite and eternal. How do we make him bigger? How do you take somebody who's infinite, who's eternal, who fills the entire universe, how do you make him bigger? We magnify him to others. You see, as big as God is, some people just can't see him. As big as he is, as obvious as he is, some people can't see him. You know why? They need magnification. They need magnification. And thanksgiving is our magnifying glass. That's how we magnify God. That's how we make God bigger. That's how we increase God. He's already infinite. He's already eternal. He's already filling the universe. But we make Him bigger to others through thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is our magnifying glass. Being able to give thanks to God in every situation not only pleases God, but it speaks volumes to others. When you are just going around giving thanks to God, no matter what happens, good or bad, and you're just giving God thanks, others notice. And all of a sudden, they get magnification. All of a sudden, they start to see God. Yes, He's big, but sometimes people need a magnifying glass. And that's thanksgiving. And we are to thanks, th- give thanks to God 
in everything. Paul puts it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. Notice from this verse, first of all, giving thanks is the will of God. It says that, in everything give thanks, this is the will of God. So we know it's the will of God. Secondly, giving thanks is the way of God. When you read the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus, and you find out before he did miracles, before he served the Last Supper, what did he do? He gave thanks. And who's Jesus? He's God. And so giving thanks is not only the will of God, giving thanks is the way of God. And thirdly, I want you to know that giving thanks is the work of God. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a thankful heart. And you have a thankful heart because God has given you a thankful heart. That's the work of God. So giving thanks is the will of God. It's the way of God. It's the work of God. But let's be frank here. It's easy to be thankful in the good times, isn't it? When everything's going your way, there's plenty of money. You love your job. You love your church, your family. Nobody's fighting. I mean, everything's wonderful. Uh, and it's easy to give thanks when everything's going your way. But we can even be thankful in the tough times. We can be thankful in the bad times. How? Number one, knowing that God's going to work everything out for good. Romans 8.28 is such a precious promise that we have. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God and are the called according to His purpose. Not some things, all things. And so we already know, even if we're going through a tough time, we're going through a bad time, somehow, some way, God is going to work it out for good. And secondly, we know that the bad times will be times of great growth for us. As you and I go through difficult times, God uses those times to cause us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so it's easy to be thankful in the good times. But we can even be thankful in the bad times, knowing that God works it all out for good and knowing that through this bad time, we will grow. You already know you're going to be thanking God when your trial is over. So why not begin thanking Him while you're going through it? I remember I was in Pittsburgh. Wintertime, cold, and I had to pick somebody up at the airport. And I was driving their car, and I went to pick them up. And for some reason, I had to pull off on the side of the road at the airport. But I had to pull off on the side of the road. And I had to get out of the car. And I closed the door because it was cold. Well, guess what? The door's locked. <laughs> now, you might say, well, Gary, you should have been driving a Japanese car, and that wouldn't happen to you. That's right. But the fact of the matter, it was an American car. And when I got out, the doors were locked, and I couldn't get back in. You think I was happy? No. You think I was warm? No. And so I began walking towards the airport, hoping to find a security guard. And I was angry. I was frustrated. I was cold. And I remembered my own teaching. And I knew that somehow God was going to work all this out for good. It was going to be okay. And I would be thanking God later on. So I started thanking God right then. As I'm walking through the snow with my fingers freezing, I didn't have gloves on. I, I, I didn't expect to be locked out of my car. And I began thanking God. Did I feel thankful? No. But I knew I would be thankful later on. I knew I'd be uh, grateful for how God worked it all out. And to be honest with you, I remember that. I don't remember how He worked it all out. But He worked it all out. And so it was appropriate that I began giving thanks while I wasn't particularly thankful, and then I found the security guard, and they came, and they 
put a balloon in the window and they got me in and all that. And then, of course, this is beside the point, but it wasn't my car, so my name wasn't on the registration or anything, and that caused a whole other kerfuffle. But I knew it was going to be okay. And so I began giving thanks in the middle of it. And God was very gracious, as he always is. He worked it all out for good. And not only did he work it all out for good, it was a time of great growth for me where I had to start practicing what I had been preaching. You know, Thanksgiving is one of the few holidays in America that's still Christian. In fact, it's my favorite holiday. Of all the holidays, Thanksgiving is my favorite for a couple reasons. First of all, because it's Christian. Secondly, because I love to eat, okay? And thirdly, it's about the only time of the year I can wear my turkey tie, all right? So I love Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is one of the few holidays that is still Christian. And as a nation, we have a great opportunity to magnify God in this one day. Remember how we magnify God? Through Thanksgiving, right? So as a nation, we set a day aside to thank God. Not just to be thankful, but to thank God. And so as a nation, we can magnify God on this one day. But as individuals, we can magnify God all day, every day. Please don't let your Thanksgiving be something you do once a year. Oh, I think it's great that America does that once a year. But as believers in Christ, we need to magnify God. We need to give thanks every day, all day. Even in the tough times? Yeah, even in the tough times. Even when you're stuck at the airport outside of your, your friend's locked car and it's cold? Yes, yes. Because it's all going to work out for good. It's going to be a time of great growth. So give thanks. Give thanks. So back to the text here. David says, you know, if you want to praise God, use a song. And remember, if you can sing, if you can play, do it for God. It's not for the congregation. It's for God. Secondly, to show your trust in God, use a sacrifice. Use a sacrifice. And sacrifice isn't just money. Remember, it can be time. It can be talents. It can also be your treasures. But thirdly, to magnify God. Use thanksgiving. Use thanksgiving. God is already infinite and eternal. How can we make him any bigger? We make him bigger to others, and we do that through thanksgiving. But don't give thanks just one day a year. Give thanks every day, all day. For God is good, and his mercy endures forever. The invitation today, first of all, is for you. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, as I was talking about how Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you've never had your sins forgiven. Maybe you don't know that you have eternal life. Well, may today be the day where you're truly thankful and eternally thankful by receiving Christ as your Savior, believing He died, was buried, and rose again from the dead for you. But if you're here and you're already a believer, make sure you're a thankful believer. Give thanks not one day a year. Give thanks every day, all day, for God is worthy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge today, to give thanks, to be a thankful people. And how could we not be thankful after all you continue to do for us? You give and you give and you give, and we receive and receive and receive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you most of all for our salvation. But thank you for meeting our every need as well. Father, there may be some here in this room or 
who are watching online that have never received Christ as Savior. Give them grace and faith to believe right here and right now. And for the rest of us who do believe, may we be grateful in everything. It's your will. It's your way. It's your work. May we be your grateful people in Jesus' name. Amen. You've heard the invitation. It's time.